so I'm going to talk about Shabbos. Now, I'll tell you something right off, that hardly anybody really knows what Shabbos is about. You know, I mean, it's amazing that something that we've observed 52 times a year for our entire lives, most people don't really know what the panemius, what the internal understanding is of Shabbos. What is it really? I mean, we know the event, right? We know the event is that the Rabbonism created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, he ceased working. He ceased creating the world. And that seventh day, of course, is Shabbos. You see, that we do know. So we know what the event is. But what really is Shabbos about? You see. <clears throat> so you can begin to think about it by asking a series of questions. And what I'm going to do is answer all these questions with one idea. Because if you know the real, what's called Pnimiyut, the internal idea of Shabbos, then everything becomes clear. Well, first question is, uh, what is the essence of Shabbos, really, you see? And in fact, there is a Gemara that says the following. Where the Rabboni Shlom says to Moshe Rabbeinu, go and tell the Jewish people that Matona Toivo, that I have a great gift, the base Kenozai in my storehouse. And he says, Shabbos Shemo. And the name of the gift is Shabbos. This is, uh, this is what it says. But that's very difficult to understand. Because why is Shabbos a gift? It's a mitzvah. If Shabbos is a gift, that means all the mitzvahs are gifts. And if all the mitzvahs are mitzvahs, then Shabbos is a mitzvah. So why is it, uh, Shabbos is a mitzvah just like every other. So why is Shabbos singled out to be a gift? That is the question. But we will see that in that Chazal is the secret of Shabbos. You see, you just have to look for it. Uh, now we have other questions. We know there's a thing called Kiddushas Shabbos, the holiness of the Sabbath. What does Kiddusha mean? What does that mean, the holiness of the Shabbos? What happens? Then we have many, many different mitzvahs. For instance, we have uh, Kovach Shabbos. You have to honor the Shabbos, right, with, with the food and the, uh, what do you call it, and the beautiful tablecloth and so on, right? Then we have the concept called Oynik Shabbos, where you have to, you know, have great food, and that is a honoring the Shabbos, but also enjoying the Shabbos. So that's also a mitzvah. Question is why, you see. Then besides that, you also have Kiddush. Why do we have to make Kiddush? Then you have Havdolah. That when Shabbos leaves, you have to make Havdolah. Why? What's the meaning of that? What is coming and what's leaving, you see? Now besides that, you also have Havdolah's Neris. You like candles. Women like candles. What is the inner meaning of lighting candles? You see. Then besides these three, Kovach Shabbos, Oinik Shabbos, and lighting candles, 
We have also Lamates Malochas. We have the 39 forbidden groups of work. You see? Why? Why do we have Isa Malocha, which is the prohibition of work, 39 categories? You see? <clears throat> and why would they be, and they're all derived from the Mishkan, because these are the 39 categories of work that were done in the Mishkan, you see. So the question then is, what is the prohibition to have to do labor on Shabbos? What does it have to do with the Mishkan, you see? Because that's where we learn what the Malochas are, what the categories of work are, you see. Then besides these, right, we have certain other ideas which are really very interesting, you see. We have what's called um, the concept of Yishama um, Yisera, right? We know that on Shabbos we get a extra soul, this Yishama Yisera. The question is why? Why would we get that in the Shoma Yisera, you see? Also, besides the Shoma Yisera, it says, Me'ein Oilam Habo, that Shabbos is like Oilam Habo. Why? It's not, that means it's not, it isn't, it is not Oilam Habo, but it is like Oilam Habo. Interesting. Why is that? You know? And then besides that, that is in the Shomi Yisera, you see. Uh, also, <clears throat> uh, there are other ideas about Shabbos, you see, which in many ways is very difficult to understand, you see. Now, the question is, how do we begin to understand all these questions? How do we answer all these what's called halachas of Shabbos? You see. And also what's interesting is that Shabbos is a day, the seventh day of the week. Whereas all other holidays is not a day, it's a date. You see. Only Shabbos is a day of the week. So the question is why is Shabbos a day? Why can't it be a date? You see. What is the significance that Shabbos is a a day, a day as opposed to the seventh day that is? as opposed to a date? That is the question, you see. Uh, so how, really, how do we begin to understand all this? And of course, the major question is, of course, what exactly is Shabbos? Now, in order to understand what Shabbos is, there are certain ideas that you need to know, and that is the overview or the overview of the entire history of the entire creation. Now we know that God created the world in order to do, and also actually one more question, right? Every day has a, an event. Every holiday has an event. For instance, Pesach has Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, right? We have Shavuot, which is the giving of the Torah, and so on. Uh, what is the primary event that happened on Shabbos, you see? And what is the significance of that? Because if you think about it, Shabbos is not a Jewish holiday because nothing happened 
on Shabbos, that should be a Jewish holiday, you see. So the question then is, is what is the connection between Shabbos and Judaism, you see? Because Shabbos does not celebrate anything Jewish, because it came long before Abraham Avinu, in fact, and so on. So that's the question. What do we celebrate on Shabbos, you see? Any case, we know that when you look at the world history, that there are specific ideas involved. We know that uh, first was Adam Rishon, and we know that he was supposed to do what's called the Tikkun. Because I once mentioned that the Tikkun itself was really supposed to be done by mankind. And then when Adam failed eventually, and everybody else failed for 2,000 years. It became a Jewish task. So therefore, and that continued for 4,000 years, right? From Avram Avinu until now, till today. It's almost 4,000 years since uh, Avram Avinu. So this time is basically the time of Tikkun, you see. And the second idea is that after the Tikkun, then there's what's called Yemois HaMashiach which begins with Mashiach ben Yosef, and is followed by Mashiach ben David. And that's the Messianic era, which really restores us to the time of Adam Rishon, before the sin. So it starts off with Adam Rishon before the sin, and then he gets uh, evicted from Gan Eden, and then begins <clears throat> the Tikkun from the rest of mankind for thousands of years. And now, at the end, the world will revert back to Odom Arishim before the sin. And that's really what Yemosh HaMashiach is. And that is the end of the Tikkun process. In fact, in Yemosh HaMashiach, the Tikkun will have been complete. And therefore, the world will be restored to what Odom could have done before. Now, does it end there? And the answer is no. It doesn't end there. Because the English year of 2240, which is 219 years, right? 220 years, actually. It's almost 219, right? After, in the year 2240, which is the English year, is the year 6000. So what's going to happen is that in the year 6000, the entire physical universe ends, you see. The entire universe ends. It now becomes, it's changed from a physical universe to a spiritual universe, you see. And the next thousand years is the year 6,000, which is 2240, to the year 7,000, right, which is 3240. And that time is called the Chad Chorov. Chad Chorov means that for 1,000 years, the world will be desolate. That's what it means. And that's why it's called Chad, one, which means 1,000. Chorov will be desolate. <clears throat> and that is a world which is interesting because it's a world that everybody is put into that world. Whoever basically had Chiesa and so on will exist, but 
there's no earth, planet earth, or anything basically that exists in the same form because the universe has become spiritual. And that's called zikuch. The materialism itself has been purified, you see. But the neshama and, his, and the body that a person has, right, remains similar, except that all the drives of the body is gone. They're gone. All of it. So it comes out that a person will be a neshama, and he will have a goof, but that goof, that body is completely inert. And that will be for 1,000 years. Then, from the 8,000th year, which is 30, uh, 3240 until 4240, 44, which is the 8,000th year, then the, 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 it's not the world changes, but the and the guf, the relationship, they change. Well, the neshama remains the same, except the guf begins to change. So, in the, in the 1,000 years which were desolate, the body remains as a physical body, but it is completely inert. There is no desire or drive to eat, sleep, or any of the physical needs. <clears throat> and really, that's what, when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to heaven says that for 40 days he didn't eat or drink or whatever, that's because he was in the equivalent spiritual state of the 1,000 years which are desolate. And by the way, in Kabbalah, that's called the Olim Yitzira. The Olim Yitzira is a spiritual place, okay, uh, which is above Olim Asiya, which is this world. So when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to receive the Torah, he went up to Olim Yitzira, and therefore, at that world, as I mentioned, there is no desire whatsoever to eat or drink or to sleep or to have any kind of physical need. It's all gone. However, the body still exists as a body. But it's, it's completely changed, that there's nothing inert. And of course, there's no zoyama. In any case, so... Uh, so that's the body in Olim Yitzira, which is a 7,000th year. And then in the 8,000th year, you see, then the body itself begins to be, become purified, where it begins to lose its physicality, you see. And the body now enters, the body and the soul together, because they will never again be, be separated. That becomes Olim Brio, you see. And that also lasts a thousand years, you see. So that's from seven to eight, seven thousand to eight thousand years. Then, after eight thousand years are gone, from eight to nine, then everybody enters Oilam Atsilus, which is the most spiritual world of all in terms of Oilam Hazer. So for one thousand years, which is, um, from the 8,000th to the 9,000th year, everybody's in Oilem Brio, you see. And that's the actual existence that everybody has. Well, obviously, we have no idea what that is, <clears throat> you see. We don't even know anything beyond this world. But in the 8,000th year to the 9,000th year, right, right, then the body changes even more, 
and becomes almost translucent, where it doesn't exist the way it used to exist. You see, it's almost like you wear um, a, a light suit that is completely transparent. It's there, but the, the, at that point, the soul completely dominates the person. Or I should say the person is completely nishama, you see. And that will last for a thousand years. <clears throat> and then from the beginning of the ninth thousandth year and on becomes Oilam uh, Habo, you see. And nobody knows at all what that means. But the body has now completely transformed into a completely inert, transparent uh, lavush, cloth, clo you know, uh, covering. And that's the remnant of what the physical universe used to be. And the entire universe, besides a person, the neshama and its guf, which is now completely transparent, uh, the entire universe now becomes Olam Habo. That's the nine thousandth year. Uh, which is really, when you think about it, 5,240 um, years. But it doesn't make a difference. The main thing is to enter the Tukufa of the Mashiach ben Yosef. Because that's really the end, <clears throat> you see. Now, in the world called Chad Chorov, which is the world of the seven, this from six to 7,000 years, the unique feature of that is that God alone will be revealed. It says, V'ashem nizgov, V'ashem nevadoi, nizgov b'yumahu. On that day, God will be supreme. Which means that, you know, even in the Yemaisa Mashiach, you see, <clears throat> we will still recognize the individuality of man and the greatness of man, you see. So, you know, everybody will recognize everybody else and will respect the greatness of each person. However, in the Chad Chorov, which is from 6,000 to 7,000, then that's it. Everybody, in a certain sense, becomes equal in the sense of basically being nobody. In that world of the 7,000th year, it's called the El Afashri, the year of desolation, then God alone will be supreme, you see. Uh, so what will happen is not only will we recognize that God is the only force, but that God is also the only being, you see. And that's what the realization, that's the awe, or that is the revelation of who God is uh, in that thousand-year period. Like I say, on that day, God alone will be elevated, will be exalted. Because then everybody realizes, you see, that everything outside of God is really zero. And only God is the only true being of all. And they will come in contact with their own emanation, you see. So, we now understand the, what's called the Tukufos, the periods of time which are critical. We have Adam before the sin in his attempt to do the Tikkun. 
We have Odom after the sin, which is the period of Tikkun of the rest of the world, all the way to the Messianic era. And then you have the Messianic era, right? Which is the era where the Tikkun basically has been complete. And then mankind will begin to respond to the completion of the Tikkun, you see. However, with the beginning of the destruction of the universe, which is the year 6000, then something happens, which I mentioned, and that is that God alone is exalted on that day. We recognize the true being called God and the infinite supremacy that God has over all creation. Now, <clears throat> this is an important precursor to understand Shabbos. Now, imagine you get a job, right? Get a job, and you walk over, you know, and your boss comes over you and says, listen, you know, what we do here is every two weeks we pay you, right? That means payday is, you know, at the end of, uh, you know, bi-weekly, it's at the end of two weeks. Okay. So, the, um, so therefore, when, the, when obviously, when the boss says that he's going to pay after two weeks of work, right, then that is what's called, uh, it's, it's called a reward payment for work which is done. But imagine if the boss says, you know, I like you, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you your check that you would have earned in two weeks. I'm going to give it to you now. You see. So can we say that this is a reward for working? No. What it is is a gift because it comes as a result of what? No work, you see. So that's, in many ways, extraordinary, you see. What God decided to do, which is very interesting, is God decided to reward the Jews even before the Tikkun is complete. In other words, like I say, most money is given after the work. It's not given before. But what God has decided is that He wants the Jews to have the, 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 a gift, not reward, before they even finish the Tikkun process. Because He wants them to experience what does it mean to have the reward, even though they haven't done anything for it. You see, <clears throat> that therefore is called, so the, the money that this worker would receive is not a reward for his efforts, rather it is a gift which God decide, which the boss decides to give. <clears throat> we now understand the beginning of what Shabbos is. Shabbos is the reward before we did anything. And I will explain what all that means. What the Barsham says, and that's what he means to Moshe Rabbeinu, and by the way, that Chazal is a secret of what Shabbos is. What God says to Moshe, Go and tell the Jews that Matana Toivo, I have a great gift that I want to give the dear Jews, right? And that gift is Shabbos. Uh, so I ask the question, what do you mean a gift? Why is Shabbos more of a gift than any mitzvah? You see? So if Shabbos is a gift, so maybe every mitzvah is a gift. And if every mitzvah, every mitzvah is really 
a mitzvah. So Shabbos is also a mitzvah. And the answer to that is that no. What Shabbos is, is that God allows us to feel something that we will feel in the 7,000th year. In other words, on the seventh day of the week, we are able to feel something what we will feel in the 7,000th year. Even though the Jews have not done the tikkun. And that's what God says. I have a great gift, and its name is Shabbos. Why is it called a gift? Uh, because they have not done anything to deserve it. They have not completed the tikkun. And it's in base Genozai, in my storehouse. Why? Because this awe, or this feeling, that they will experience in the 7,000th year, right? That really is something that they should experience in the 7,000th year. And not now. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to give them a matona that's in my storehouse. Because it's in my storehouse because they haven't finished the job. But I'm going to give them now the gift of what is it, what will the experience be like in the 7,000th year? And they are going to feel a certain incredible presence, you see. And this is the beginning of the understanding of what Shabbos is. Where God says, I want to give you the feeling that you will have now. You don't have to wait until after the tikkun is complete. I'm going to give you it now and therefore it is called a gift. So I'm going to take it out of my storehouse because it's really meant a full gift, although it's meant to be as a reward after you do the tikkun, but I'm going to give it to you now. That's an amazing concept when you think about that, you see? So this is how we really begin to understand what Shabbos is. Now, therefore, the essence of Shabbos, it is an experiencing what will be at a future time called the Chad Chorov, or the Elif Hashvi, the 7,000th year. That's the essence of Shabbos. But God is giving it to us now, even before we've done the work. You see? And therefore, it's not a reward, it's a gift. So therefore, what God wants us to do is experience spirituality at a level which we have not seen at all. You see, and therefore what happens is, is that the Shekhinah, the presence of God, somehow enters the world and the Jews can experience the Shekhinah itself. Once we understand that, we now understand what Kiddushas Shabbos is, the holiness. Because holiness simply is the presence of God. And since when Shabbos enters, which is the seventh day, you see, then the holiness of the 7,000th year enters the world. And we actually begin to experience it. There's a different feeling when Shabbos enters, you see. And that's really what you're feeling. You are feeling the, the awe, the light, the divine presence of the 7,000th year. And you're experiencing it now on the seventh day. So that is what Kiddusha of Shabbos really is. Now one of the questions I asked, right, is, 
well, it's not a Jewish holiday. And the answer is that it, it is really. Why? Because what is the event that commemorates Shabbos? And the answer is the creation of the world. That is the event. And the creation of the world is incredibly connected to Jews because the world is nothing more than a stage that we have to interact with and do the tikkun. You see? And the Jewish people are the masaknim. We do the tikkun. We rectify creation. So it comes out that Shabbos, which commemorates the back, the staging of the entire uh, tikkun uh, process, is really basically what the power of the Jew is, is to do the tikkun, you see. So the event that Shabbos commemorates is the seventh day of creation, was the creation, right, of the tikkun stage that we can now do, enter, and actually do the tikkun, you see. So that's really what Shabbos is, that concept, you see. Now, when you think about it, that is why we make Kiddush. Because what we do is we acknowledge the entry of the Shekhinah. And that's what Kiddush is. Where we acknowledge the entry. Now, we also make Havdalah. Why? Because Havdalah acknowledges the exit of the Shekhinah. You see? And that is why we make Havdalah. It acknowledges and recognizes that the Shekhinah has now left. You see. Now, Hadlokas Neris, lighting the candles. Why? Because the candles, which is an ore, represents the ore of the Shekhinah. So we light candles to indicate that the Shekhinah, which is the ore, has now entered the world. Has now entered the world. You see. And that is why we light candles. Now also, since the Shekhinah has now come in our midst, what do you do when an important person has come into your midst? Well, you put out your best dishes, your best tablecloth, because an incredible guest has arrived. And, th- and that is the midst of COVID Shabbos. You see? Because we acknowledge the greatness, the importance of that guest, which is the Divine Presence. We also have Oynik Shabbos. We enjoy because... When an important visitor arrives, you, you, you make the best food, right? In recognition and in celebration, right? Of the entry of that guest. Well, if the Shekhinah has arrived, correct? So we recognize the Shekhinah has arrived by bringing out the best food. And it's sort of like a celebration that we are now surrounded by the Shekhinah, you see. Therefore, we now understand these halachas that really they're all connected to the entry of the divine presence, which, by the way, is the, is the divine presence that we will experience in the 7,000th year. So, on the seventh day of the week, we experience the entry of the Shekhinah that we will experience in the 7,000th year, which is the year 6,001 which is the year 2240, you see. All that is fascinating. Now, what is interesting is, wait a minute, how can we experience that? Now, remember what I told you, 
is that that uh, sh- that what we really do in the seven thousandth year is we enter Olim Yitzira, the world of Yitzira, where you have Malachim. But the problem is this: how can we experience the divine presence as God will appear in the seven thousandth year? Right? We don't have the instrumentation to do that. And that is why we have a Neshama Yisera. Notice it doesn't say Neshama Chadosho, a new soul. It says Neshama Yisera, an additional soul. Why? Because if you remember, we have five parts of the Neshama. And each part of the Neshama is connected to a different world. The Nefesh is connected to Asiya, which is this world. The Ruach is connected to Yitzira, right? The Neshama, the individual term, is connected to Bria. The Chaya is connected to Atzilus, right? And the Yechida, which is the fifth part and the highest part of the Neshama, is connected to Ilm Habo, you see. So in order for us to be conscious of and experience some aspect of the divine presence in the 7,000th year, we need to be able to experience Olim Yitzira now. But how? How can we experience Olim Yitzira? We can only experience, the only thing open to us is this world. And that's what the Neshama Yitzira really is. It's not a new soul, because we already have the Neshamas, the, the different Chalok and parts of the Neshama. But what we don't have is the ability of these to be open. And that's what happens. We get the Neshama Yisera, which means that the Ruach aspect of our Neshama is opened. And we actually become conscious, which I will explain. We actually can experience some aspect of the presence of God as He will exhibit Himself, right, in Olim Yitzira, which will happen in the 7,000th year. You see? So you now understand what the, Isha, or, or the uh, Neshama Yisera is. It's the additional soul, which we have now, except it's not open to experiencing the holiness, the Kedusha of that Olim Yitzira. But when Shabbos comes, you get a, a Yishami Yisera, which is the Ruach that you already have. It opens up, and it is able to experience the presence of God as he will appear in the Olim Yitzira, which is the 7,000th year. And by the way, that answers another very interesting question. You ever notice that we say Shalom Aleichem on Shabbos? Where we say, you know, the Malochem, welcome Malochem, right? Come in and stay around. Why in the world do we talk to Malochem? Because we're actually talking to Malachim. You see? But the answer becomes very obvious. Because if our Ruach opens, and we are able to experience something of Olim Yitzira, well, who are the residents of Olim Yitzira? And the answer is, Malachim. And therefore, if that's the case, we are actually able to connect with them. Even though we can't see them, but since we are now conscious in a certain aspect of the feeling of Olim Yitzira, which is the 7,000th year, which is Shabbos, we can actually talk to them. So we do. 
right? We say, Shalom Aleichem, Malchashores. We greet them because we have now become privy and conscious to a certain extent, which I will explain, to the Malachim on Oedim Yitzira. Well, if that's the case, then what do we do? We could talk to them and we can invite them in and we can greet them and then wish them well that when they exit. You see? Uh, so that's why we say Shalom Aleichem. Because we actually exist at a certain, in a certain way where we can actually experience the Shekhinah as it will appear in the 7,000th year, which is on the seventh day itself. Isn't that fascinating? That's why we have Shalom Aleichem. <clears throat> you see? Now, there's something else. We have the concept called the Lamates Malachas, the 39 categories of labor which is forbidden. Why do we have that? And the idea to that is this, that even though Shabbos is, a re- is not a reward, it's a gift, because we have not done the Tikkun yet, so why, we are, why are we experiencing this gift? Right? <clears throat> And therefore, we know the answer, because that's a matona that God wants to give us. Right? Fine. But then the question is, you know, it's like I say, it's a gift and not a reward. <clears throat> the Lamates Malochus. God says that even though you don't have to do anything to receive the 39, uh, to, to receive this gift of the Shekhinah as it will appear in the 7,000th year. But you have to act as if it is the 7,000th year. That's the condition. What, why is that? Because in the 7,000th year, we realize, like I said, on that day, God will be supreme. And we will realize that everything is zero compared to God. But what's interesting is there's something else we will realize. That everything that happened in this world was caused by God. In other words, God is the only cause of anything that happens. As they say, And therefore, in order to experience the Shekhinah, as it is appears in the 7,000th year, you see, we must act as if it is the 7,000th year. But what do, we, what do we see in that time? That the only cause of anything is God. You see, that there is no other cause. And therefore, we do not do any type of labor which is an illusion of us causing. So it's like we say, you know, we don't cause anything. Because that is what the atmosphere is or the environment of the 7,000th year. To demonstrate that, I will do nothing. I will not do any labor at all which has the illusion that I cause. And therefore we abstain from doing any kind of malacha, you see, where we indicate that we actually cause things. No, we will not do any labor. So that indicates that we do not cause. Why? Because that really is what we will experience in the 7,000th year. This concept of the illusion of causality, 
you see. Now, why these 39 categories? Because they all come from the Mishkan. Now, we know that the Mishkan is a model of the entire creation. And all the activities that God did, or rather that man does, the Jews, in building the Mishkan is identical to the actual categories of work that God did in creating the universe. You see? So when man, when the Jews built the Mishkan with these particular types of labors, right, what they were really doing is replicating what God did when he created the world. You see? So the Mishkan is really a model of creation. And the work that went into building the Mishkan is really identical to the work that God did in creating the entire universe. So, when Shabbos happens, we refrain from doing the exact work that God did when he created the universe, which is the work that was done in the Mishkan. You see? That's the connection between the 39 categories of labor, which is forbidden, and the Mishkan. Because, like I said, the Mishkan is the actual replica, a model of God when he created the world. And the work that went into building the Mishkan is identical to the work, so to speak, that God did, the labors that God did in creating the universe. So we refrain from those works. Why? Because that demonstrates to us that in this seventh day, there is no, we are, we are not a cause, you see. So what God says, if you act as if now on the seventh day, which is Shabbos, if you act as if this is, right, the seven thousandth year, then you will experience the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, that will be pervasive, right, in the seven thousandth year. So it's not a mitzvah in the sense that you have, it's, it's not a mitzvah that does the tikkun, but what it is, is a condition that if you want to experience what the Shekhinah is like in the 7,000th year, then you have, you have to act as if you are now in the 7,000th year. When you recognize that causality, your being a cause, is an illusion. Now, if you acknowledge that by actually behaving that way, then you will experience that itself. And now you understand why we have the Lamates Malachas, why we have 39 categories of forbidden labor, you see. Because that's exactly what we will be doing in the 7,000th year, namely, we will be doing nothing. Because we don't do anything, you see. And that's an admission that God is the true cause. So the Malachas are really a condition, not so much a mitzvah, you see. And that's really... What, it, what it's about. Uh, so, I've explained a great deal of what Shabbos is, you see. Now, but the question is, wait a minute. You say that on the seventh day, you experience the 7,000th year. How's that? Right? And the answer is very interesting. And this is the significance of the Neshami Yisera. What happens is, is that in the 7,000th year, you see, we will experience that. But in order to do that, you have to have the Neshama Yisera, you see. But by having the Neshama Yisera, we can actually experience 
the 7,000th year divine presence. However, there's a limit. There's a famous, Doniel was a Novi, okay? And it says in in Doniel that the angel Gabriel appeared to him. And he saw the Malach. But with him, together with him, was Hananel, Hananel, Meshul, and Azariah. Okay? And they did not see the Malach, but they felt the Malach. So, therefore, they had a half a Nevoah. They couldn't see the Malach, but they could experience and they shook with fear. You see? That's called the Chatzin Nevoah. Half a prophecy. Because they experience a spiritual being, you see. So Daniel experienced the full Nevoah. So he saw the image of the Malach as well as the feeling of the being in proximity to that Malach. However, Hananel, Mishon, Isaiah, they only experienced half. So they could feel the Malach, and that's why they were frightened, but they could not see him. Guess what? A Novi, his Nishama is open to the upper worlds. That is the, the, the phenomenon of prophecy. Uh, so, since we have the Nishama Yisera opening up us to the Olim Yitzira, even though we cannot see the Malochim, <clears throat> but we are all Chatsi Neviim. Why? Because our Nishama Yisera connects us consciously to the Olim Yitzira. But it's only half prophecy. Because we don't see Olim Yitzira, right? We'll see that in the 7,000th year. But we can experience the feeling of what it means, you see. And if you think about it, when Shabbos enters, don't you have a different feeling? There's something about Shabbos when it enters that you can actually feel differently, you see. And we know that. Notice, anybody who observes the Shabbos can actually feel the time of Shabbos. What is that feeling, really? That feeling is a presence, tremendously reduced and diminished, you see, that we actually feel when Shabbos enters. But that's all that God is going to allow us to feel. He's not going to allow us to look into Olim Yitzira, even though we have the Nisham Yitzira open to Olim Yitzira, but he will allow us to feel something about Olim Yitzira. But obviously that's severely reduced because he doesn't want to interfere in our free will. Could you imagine when the seventh day enters and you say Kiddush, that all of a sudden you feel Olim Yitzira? That would be unbelievable. You'd never sin again. And that is no good because it would be interfering in the whole test situation of the Tikkun. So what God there does, and that's the, like I say, the gift, He allows you to feel Olimitzira. You see? So we feel it. Not completely, obviously. We certainly don't have an image of it. And we don't feel it completely. But we feel what's called a me'ain, which means some type of a likeness, a likeness some small percentage. And that is what we feel when Shabbos enters. Now that is fascinating. You see how everything is tied together now. You see? You see why Kedusha Shabbos 
is really the entry of divine presence. Why we say Kiddush, to acknowledge its entry. Why we say Avdolah, to acknowledge its exit. We see why there's Hadlokas Neris, why you light candles, because that is the symbol of the Shekhinah, the ore. We see Kovid and Oinik. You honor and you enjoy because that's what you do when the Divine Presence enters. You understand now why we have 39 categories of forbidden labor. Because we must act as if we are in the 7,000th year where we realize that God is the only cause. And therefore, we don't do any labor that indicate that we are a cause, you see. And we also understand the concept of the Neshami Sarah, that it's not just an interesting concept. It is critical. Without that Neshami Sarah, you do not experience Shabbos. Because you need to experience the Olim Yitzira, you see. And therefore, the Neshami Sarah is critical to the experiencing of Shabbos. And we also understand Shalom Aleichem. Because since we are now open to that world, right, we can now experience the residents of that world. And therefore, even though we don't see them, we say Shalom Aleichem, the Malachim. Because we are now in their house, so to speak. You see? And we also understand, you see, that Shabbos really ultimately is a gift because God has given it to us even though, right, we have done nothing. And that's why it's the great gift. Shabbos is, uh, it allows us the wherewithal to actually experience a spiritual state. That is why Shabbos is so great. You see? It's not this world. You see, it is another world. And by the way, that's the difference between Shabbos and Yontif. Yontif, we also experience a certain Kiddusha. But each Yontif, we experience it as a result of the Tikkun that the Jews did do in the past, even if it wasn't complete. You see? So Shabbos, so the Yontif itself is a date, because that's when the events happen on that date, right? But we can only experience that if we did the job. So since the jobs that are, or the Yontif is a reflection of the Tikkun that we did by the primary Tikkun event, right? So we can experience that. But Shabbos is not connected to any date because the connection of Shabbos is not to an event of Jewish history. It is an event of God creating the whole stage, you see, of the Tikkun event. That's why it's the seventh day, right? And that also is our connection to uh, Shabbos. You see, the connection that Shabbos has to, to Jews. Okay, you now understand the Pneumius of Shabbos. And you now understand how everything is connected. And the last thing I'll tell you, and that's why it's called Me'ein O'ilam Habo. Why? Because Shabbos is not O'ilam Habo. Because I told you that Oilam Haba begins in the 8,000th year, not in the 7th. Because we still have a physical body, even if it's inert, in the 7,000th year. So Shabbos, however, since it's the 7,000th year, it's certainly the beginning, even if it's not Oilam Haba, because that starts in the 8,000th year. However, it is radically different than the previous six, you see? So, as a result of that, right, 
Shabbos is a me'ein oilam habo. It's like oilam habo, which will begin in the 8,000th year. Right? But it's like oilam habo, not oilam hazeh, because the body changes radically where it is completely inert. Okay. I have now answered many, many questions. But the beauty of it is that you see how they are all answered with one idea. What the essential idea of Shabbos is. It is the Elif Hashvi that we get to experience in the 6,000 years. That's what it is. Any questions? Yes, I have a question. Did everybody understand that? Yes. Good. It's a very powerful understanding of what Shabbos is that hardly anybody knows. Okay? Um, so my question is... Sure. Um, so, uh, I was reading that sometimes uh, the, if there's things that you do, the Neshama Yetira leaves you, even if it's during Shabbat. What are the things yeah. that if you do, what, what causes it to leave you during Shabbat? Well, the main thing that will cause to leave you is if you do Malacha. Because remember what I told you the 39 categories of forbidden labor is. Those are the conditions that allow you to experience the awe, the divine presence of the 7,000 year. And in order to do that, like I mentioned, you need the Nisham Yisera. But if you do not do that, if you act in Shabbos and you do Malacha, then you are not saying what is apparent in the 7,000 year. That you are that there's an illusion of causality. You are saying, on the contrary, that you do cause, and therefore the Neshama Yisera, so to speak, can shut down. You see? So if you, if a person violates the Shabbos by doing the Malacha, which is Asa, he can lose his Neshama Yisera. Because that's the condition. You see? Um, My other question is, um, like when you say the year 6,000 to 7,000, 7,000 to 8,000, every thousand years, is it a thousand years like how we count it now, or is it a different type of calculation? It's a thousand years how we count it now. Because the thousand years is significant because it says what? Right? What does it say? It says one day in God's eyes is like a thousand years in ours. Right? That's a famous posse. Right? Right? So that's why it's a thousand. Because each day, there's seven days, then there's the eighth day, the ninth day, and the tenth day. And in the beginning of creation, right, it was one day of God, in that sense. You know? So therefore, each day of God is a thousand years in our eyes, so therefore, uh, 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 each day is a thousand years. So, so once the year, once there's resurrection of the dead and the year six thousand comes, um, it's just you're, you're, are you at a certain age? Uh, like, how does it work? Where you're just everlasting? Like, how does that work? Well, when you get up from the dead, right, you will be approximately twenty-two years old, right, and you will remain at that age for eternity. That means you never get old. Yeah, babies, like babies. 
What was that? Did they say the same age or did they grow? Hey, she, he, she said, she's saying, what about babies? There are no babies. About, no. There are no babies. That's gone. So remember, it says that Ain Ben David Bo, that the Mashiach Ben David doesn't come until all the Nishamas are let out of a place called the Guf. That means there are no babies. Everybody has been born. You know, it's whoever is needed to do the Tikkun has arrived. Because obviously, the Tikkun cannot happen until all the necessary workers have done the job. So there are no babies. It's not only babies. There are no children. You see, everybody will be 22 years old. When a person gets up from the dead, he will get up exactly the way he died. And as time goes on, the hours pass, his body will rejuvenate. It'll regress back to what it looked like at 22 years old. See? And once that happens... There's no death, obviously, because it's Tchir Mason, right? There's no death. And that's it. You will remain as that age, the way you were 22 years old, which is the ideal age, by the way. After 22 years old, it's all downhill. You see? So if children um, die... Uh, during the resurrection of the dead, when they wake up, they'll just fast forward to 22 versus people who are older will wake up and they'll regress, they'll like rejuvenate back to 22. That's right, yeah. And babies will obviously grow rapidly. You know, whoever they, you know, either you regressed when you were 22 or if a baby died when it was, let's say, uh, I don't know, five days or whatever, it would immediately, its body will transform into a 22-year-old. So during Mashiach and Yosef and Mashiach and David, are there still children going to be born? Well, in the time of Ben Yosef, yes. But in the time of Ben David, no. Because all the Nishamas that have to be born will have been born. You see... You know, once Tchiyas Mesim starts, then that's it. There's no need, obviously, for uh, any kind of, uh, uh, you know, children or whatever. I mean, or babies or any of this stuff. Everybody will be a full adult. You'll be like Odd Mauritian. He was created at an age of 22. You know, he was a fully, think about that, Odd Mauritian, right? Never had a childhood. He never had parents. Never had a childhood. He was made as a fully functioning adult at 22 years old. We will be restored to that type of life. You see? And, and just to make sure, because I want to know if I remember correctly, uh, that the, the soul that wakes up, because if you had a lot of Gilgulim, the one who did the best of the tikkun is going to wake up? Yeah. Yeah, the, the lifetime that you did the greatest tikkun, that's the one that is permanently you will have. But don't worry, they'll still be able to recognize you. So, so my, my son actually asked this question. Uh, he said, but I'm only nine years old. That's not fair. I don't have enough time to do as much as you do. 
Well, all that is taken into account because when, when that happens, it won't be necessary to do anything else. I mean, everything is taken into cheshbon. You know, then it's not necessary. And he will get the reward of, you know, the totality of all his lifetimes. Got it. You know? Nobody will be shortchanged, I guarantee you. You know, everybody will have all the time they need, and they will have all the time they need for the job that they have to do. You know what I'm saying? Rabbi, do you think people see Malachim? Do you think there are people in this world now that see Malachim? Nobody can see a Malach. The only one, the only Malach that you could see if he chooses to appear is Elio Novi. Yeah, there are people today, probably, who have Gilu Elio. Means Elio comes to them, yeah. Obviously not many, but there probably are. But we, you wouldn't know because they're not about to tell you. Right. You know what I mean? Why only Elio and Because Elio and Novi is an unusual Malach. You see, most Malachim, they have nothing to do with mankind. They have their jobs, and that's it. The only time Malachim, Michoel, Gavriel, Raphael, and so on, was in the earlier times when they were Nevi'im, prophets. So at that time, a prophet could see that Malachim could interact with Jews that were Nevi'im. But once Nevoah ended, right, then there's no more uh, vision, there's no more Malachim in that sense. But Elio has a unique... He's unique in that he's, you know, the Malach, that his job is to interact with mankind. He's different than any other Malach, you see. His job is to interact with Jews, Elio. Obviously, you have to, it's under certain conditions. But that interaction is what allows him, you know, to, you know, um, to, to be doing a bris. He's a Malach bris and so on, you know. And like I say, he, at different times, he does appear to people. You know, you find that in the Gemara, he, appear, he used to come and visit people quite often. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. You know, uh, because obviously they were incredibly holy people. But today, I would imagine there are people who have Gileleo, yes. You know, obviously not many. And like I said, they certainly are not going to tell. But they do. Elio does appear to certain people. You see? But in the end, by Mashiach ben David, he will announce Mashiach ben David. And he will appear to mankind. He will finally, you'll finally be able to meet the man, as they say. You see? Because that's already the tikkun. He will be revealed, you see? And probably many malachim will be revealed because everybody will be a Navi. All Jews will be Naviim, prophets. You think, Rabbi, Jews, you think what? Rabbi, when it, like, now there's more light coming into the world? Wait, wait, can you say that again? I didn't hear that. Do you think, because there's more light coming into the world, do you think that there's going to be more people able to see like Malachim or things like that, more connected. 
Uh, no, it's getting darker, actually. But there will come a time when it will get lighter, and it's very possible that Elia Novi will appear to more people. But the real time he appears to everybody will be in the Mashiach B'David. Because then nobody has Zoyamo. Whoever has Tres Amesim has no Zoyamo. Right? And as a result of that, he's as great as a Malach. A person who has no Zoyamo is greater than a Malach. Our problem is we have Zoyamo totally, you see. And at that time, Elio will be all over. I mean, that's, uh, you know, look, you'll be able to speak to him, talk to him, be incredible. But he's not the only one. Because once everybody's a Novi, you will be able to speak to Malachim, many of them. You see? They will become part of your life. What would consist of someone not being able to be resurrected? Say that again. What would cause someone not to be resurrected? Uh, well, <clears throat> well, for instance, in Yechezkel, there was one per- he resurrected a whole valley of bones, if you remember the story. And there was one person who did not get up, and he used to take ribbis, interest, on loans, which is forbidden. Uh, but other than that, I, I would imagine once a person has atoned for all his sins, whether it be here or in Gehenna, right, then he will get up. What's, why, why shouldn't he get up? He has, no, he has no sins. You see? So all Jews were resurrected. Mason. You see? Anyway, we all look forward to that day. <clears throat> and we are obviously coming very close <clears throat> uh, to that day. You know, and um, listen, like I say, you know, we're coming very close to the true Shabbos. Anyway, that's what you think about. When Shabbos enters, think about that. When you feel the presence of God, you're really feeling the Shekhinah. <clears throat> as, it, as it will be felt, experienced in the 7,000th year. But it's a, a tremendously reduced version. You know, I once mentioned when you go to the Koisel, many people feel a presence that's the same concept, you see. But on Shabbos, you don't have to be at the Koisel. You can feel it. The greater the Shemira of Shabbos, the greater the observance of Shabbos, the greater will be your ability to feel God, to feel the Shrina. You see? It, it, so, and also, like, when, you, when we light the Hanukkah, I definitely feel the Shrina. If I, like, when I sit there and I pray, I definitely feel that presence also. So how do we hold on to the presence longer? Is there any way to do that? Uh, that's an interesting question. One of the ways that that you could do that, although it's not the same as Shabbos, obviously, is if you buy things for Shabbos. Like it says that Shammai, you know, whenever he saw something, he said, oh, let me buy that for Shabbos. So what's happening is that 
you are allowing your consciousness to always think about Shabbos, which is not just a day, like I said. It is a day of the divine presence called the Shekhinah. So that is a way, yeah. If you think about Shabbos and you buy things for Shabbos, then that could possibly give you a merit, you see, where you can actually feel Shabbos during the week. You know what I'm saying? What about, uh, what about like, preparing for it? Is that considered also? Like, if I have in mind things that I'm going yes. to that? Yes. So is that why when we say, um, don't they say that that also has to do with thinking of Shabbat during the week? Can you repeat that? You know the Shir Shel Yom after the, after Ashir. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Yes, thinking about Shabbos itself can evoke uh, the, uh, the field. So that's one way, perhaps, of extending the feeling of Shabbos. And also, I mean? Rabbi, when we pray in the morning, Hayom Yom Hashishi, the whole week was all about Shabbat. We count down only to Shabbat from the beginning of the week to Shabbat comes. It's very important. Yes, Has correct. showing us it's an important day. Yeah. You know, now you understand why Shabbat is so central. Because it is the ultimate reward. Even it's the beginning, really, of the transformation of this world into a different world. You know what I'm saying? That's why it's so central. It represents the ultimate goal of the Jew is to be in an environment which is saturated with Shabbos, which is the divine presence. You see, that's why it's so central to Judaism. It's not merely a day. It is a day of the 7,000th year, which ultimately is our goal. You see? So, Rabbi, see what I'm saying? Why does it take 210 years to be resurrected? Because depending on each person's attraction, the physicality, that's what it takes. So let's say you know, I'm, I'm up and the someone's more, not the up more, yet. What was that? I said, let's say I wake up and someone else is not up yet. What, what am I doing during that time period? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you mean what happens if you get up? What happens if you get up and the other guy is still dead? Yes. Yes. Well, then you will be enjoying the Messianic era, right? With by yourself? <laughs> no, no, you won't be by yourself. There are a lot of Jews that are going to get up with you, no, right? right. So then we're talking about we're talking about Moshe Rabbeinu. We're talking about all the sages, all the tzaddikim, right? They're all going to be here. They're all going to get up and walk around. You're not going to be lonely. I guarantee you that. You know, but each one, 
depending on his attachment to the physical world, it takes longer. Why? Because there's more Zayama. You know what I'm saying? And that's the purpose of transformation, is to get up without Zayama. That's the whole point of it. Because <clears throat> I, like I told you last week or the week before, the world to come is a world with, not only without Zoyamor, it's also without physicality. And not only that, it's a world without spirituality. I told you it's a world just with Zulosoy. That the only things that really exist is God and the Nishama. We have no idea what type of existence that really is. You see? <clears throat> but the main idea is why Shabbos is so great. You see? Because that is a day that the Divine Presence, right, is felt. You see? And it's, we, we feel it even though we have not completed the Tikkun process. You see? Okay. Mm. Think about that. When Shabbos enters, what is really happening? You know what I mean? Over my notes. Yeah, it's a very important shear because hardly anybody knows what I told you tonight. Hardly anybody. In fact, you can ask people, what do you think Shabbos is? And they'll give you all kinds of answers. It's a day of rest, it's a day when God rested, it's a day that we can communicate, be, be closer to Ruchni and spirituality. But most people do not know really what it is. That it is a gift of God for us to experience the divine presence of the 7,000th year now without having to wait until the messianic era. Mm. 